Yeah. Ready. Hi. Hello. Hello. How you doing? So good. I'm feeling like I'm in like a little hippie paradise right now. Welcome back to the Wine About Birth podcast. We are three birth professionals. And best friends. And we're here to talk about what it's really like to live in the world of birth. It's not all glitter and rainbows. Or as we like to say, it's a lot more shit than giggles. I'm Kim Haynes, midwife at a busy birth center and small home birth practice. I'm Meredith Rout, also a midwife. I work at the same small home birth practice. And I'm Jess McKee. I'm a doula for clients both in and out of the hospital and a birth assistant for you guys at your out-of-hospital practice. Yeah, you are. <laughs> awesome. So we're recording. We, we're doing the YouTube thing that we promised we would do. New year, new us. It's going to be <laughs> terrible. I'm sorry, but we're in my hippie 25-year-old hippie son's. son's room, so... Look at yeah. all this beautiful. You're welcome. Um, we stuff. we may eventually freshen ourselves up before we record, but we cannot make any no. promises about that. No, um, I'm not gonna make that promise at all. Kim, didn't you have a story that you wanted to tell to start oh. off <laughs> to start off this New Year podcasting <laughs> for how used to podcasting you've gotten? I'm so used to podcasting. So we, I had a baby this week, and um, the mom started pushing, and she said. She said, I'm going to shit all over the bed. And I said, well, for your sake, I hope so. It'll relieve some pressure. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Cut that out. Because the mom was. Delete that. Delete. I need you to cut. Delete that. Delete that. Cut that out. Because her mom was videotaping and she was like, um, OK, I'll cut that out for you. I was like, OK, thank you. Katie was like, it's not a podcast. You, you should, can't just delete You things. should have her send that video to Jess and have Jess edit it. Our master editor would be happy to delete that out for you because she's used to deleting us out all the time. Is that, one of my, is that one of my new titles? Master, master editor. editor. Master debater editor. <laughs> you are quite the master debater at this point. Editor. <laughs> editor. We said editor. I, I was just also saying you're a good debater. <laughs> I am good at debating. <laughs> so, yes, it's this is the first episode of our second year of podcasting. We're super excited. We have goals. Um, Great. We're we, not just waste of human we, space. We actually we hoped, have goals. We hope that you listen to our live broadcast and Do got we? something out of it. Um, I, I got nothing out of it at all. It was fun. But in the meantime, today we are talking about something that we think super important and, I mean, aren't all the things we talk about super important, um, but we're talking about... We actually have a plan for today, though. Sometimes we go into these episodes not knowing no what, what we're talking about. Yeah. We have we have, we have a topic. We have a topic. That's it. <laughs> so we're That's talking... better than some days. <laughs> we are talking about birth planning. So what is a birth plan? What is a birth plan not? And what are some things that you should, we think you should include in your birth plan? Because like any other episode, this is our opinion on things and not necessarily And we get opinion. to say what we want. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start off by saying when it comes to birth plans that you hear a lot of stuff on the internet, especially from like hospital providers where it's like, well, they walked in with a birth plan, and so we laughed at it, and then we knew that she was going to end up with an emergency cesarean, and so they're That's like, unfortunate. you can't plan birth, and I just want to start by saying that I agree with that. You cannot pl plan yeah, birth. This is not going to like magically make your birth exactly what you want it to be. No, but I do think that part of having a birth plan and the 
the reason for it is that you're actually learning in the process of making a birth plan. Mm -hmm. And you're also making a birth plan for if things don't go according to plan. That's how I frame it. It's like not necessarily for you to have the birth of your dreams, but to be able to have those conversations beforehand so that nothing really, I mean, it'll be shocking in the moment, but at least you'll have like a history of talking through and knowing what you do and don't want before you're in that situation. If things don't go the way you wanted to. I don't have a lot to say about this topic. Why? I'm like, I'm forgainst it. As my brother Kyle would say, it's like a no with a yesy aftertaste. I yeah. don't. I don't. I Some like, people. I like a yesy aftertaste. I like a yesy aftertaste. Some people <laughs> like being proactive and like having something to focus on. But some people think it's just extra work. So tell me, Kim, why, in the words of your brother, you are for against for against plans. it with a yes, he start against it. I just I I love for women to have a birth plan. Mm-hmm. Um, at the center for several years, we had one like your mom, yeah, gives out. So now we just have a couple of check boxes that ask very vague questions like the room, the like yes or no to water birth, yes or no to this, and I just think the broader it is the less disappointed someone will be but that's more for out of hospital birth like for y'all's birth not for yes transfer right and so to me like yes make a birth plan tell me like do you have a doula do you want help during this phase like tell me how you see your birth going kind of Mm -hmm. and then for a hospital do like bullet points yeah that's so important to me like handing someone a five page birth plan yeah, is just not that they're not going to read it and you know like talking about you know i want this and i want this color candle set next to me and so if you need things that are that specific to me you're just setting yourself up for failure and disappointment that's yeah. just- speaking of failure and disappointment i hate your dog <laughs> He so won't shut up. I think that that's the important conversation we need to talk about is that when it comes to birth plans, like we were saying, what is a birth plan and what is not a birth plan? Right. So you were describing to me more of like a birth wish list. Right. That it's like to me, that's something that you would think of on your own that you might journal for yourself. Right. Or, or like, like mention at prenatals and like your provider would like write it down in your note being like once this incorporated is interested in having this song playing while they're having their baby like not things that need to go like on a birth plan necessarily no no so when i think of birth plans for me the birth plan like i said is more about the process so like i'll go to a client's house and i'm gonna be like we're gonna go over all of these common interventions and i want you to tell me how you feel about them at this moment and then we can talk about them. And like what you know you, about them. Yeah, too. what you know about them. I can send you more information. And then when we meet again, you can tell me how you now feel about those interventions after we meet again. And that looks different for everybody. And that also includes, so the majority of my clients, their birth plan is something like, I want an intervention-free birth and I don't want anything. I want my baby to come out and that's it. I want like delayed cord clamping mm-hmm. or, and I yeah. don't want so all that to me would but, be this and this. But then there's also the plan B. So that is part of the process. And so it's like, okay, so what that looks like, it'll be like, okay, let's talk about Pitocin. What are your feelings for Pitocin right now at this moment? Mm-hmm. And most people will say to me, I don't want it. And then I'll be like, okay, well, here's some common reasons why you might be offered Pitocin um, and times where I've felt that it's truly necessary and times it's not. And then that also becomes an important conversation because 
especially if you're birthing in the hospital or if you transfer to the hospital, you might get offered other choices. So in that conversation, you can talk about other choices. Um, I feel like induction is really important to talk in that same context exactly. as well. Like just not just PIT, but like cervical and side attack. Exactly. And have to go if you talk about induction something. and reasons, common reasons for induction during your birth planning session, that's when I would go over, let's talk about cytotech because this is my personal opinion. Like a lot of other people might have a different opinion. Me as a person and a provider, I am completely against the use of cytotech for labor induction or even for cervical ripening. I feel like um, the research shows that it's very risky. The research shows there's more risk to it. You can't take it all out once it's in. So if it starts giving you too many contractions, sorry, maybe we'll have to then give you something to try and stop the contractions. Or if the baby starts reacting poorly to exactly. it, you can't undo it. Um, so I'm a completely against cytotech. But I've been noticing for my clients, it's been being offered in the hospital as like this drug that is mm -hmm. like the wonder of all humankind that's going to make your birth it's like the first offer before they cervidil do. well they I offer like. cervidil to start and then cytotech comes in the morning or whatever after no a I hours. So most of my clients are using cytotech to ripen their cervix and my experience with that has been that my clients get contractions from it that don't really do anything so they stay up all night having contractions that don't do anything and then they start pitocin again in the morning and so it's like these are the conversations you can have. But they keep giving it to them. So then it all hits at once. It's like the cytotech but by usually, the fourth dose and the Pitocin. For usually for my clients, they start Pitocin at some point anyway. Right. And so it's clients who are trying to avoid Pitocin. They're like, well, we'll take cytotech and avoid Pitocin. And that's not... That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to no, me. No, but, but they... So that's part of... That's what I'm talking about when it's talking about the process. So we were talking about talk, Cytotech and Pitocin. Sorry, we had to make the dog stop or else we were literally going to go crazy. And I just want to stop and tell a funny story to break up the monotony of that boring story we were telling while the dog was endlessly barking and making me... I don't think it was boring. I think it was informative. Literally want to die. So my mom, we talked about her. This is good. <laughs> We talked about my mom a little bit and how innocent she is during the live podcast. I love her so much. She sent me a text the other day, and I happened to be at brunch, so I was drinking Bloody Marys. And my mom sends me a text that goes, can you come over next Sunday? I would really like to do a rake and bake. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at oh, it, Liz. and I was like, mm. A rake and bake. Huh. Dear mother. That's so original. <laughs> and I was like. It's so original. I was like, so we're going to rake leaves with the kids and we're going to bake apple pies. <laughs> Is there going to be any weed involved? <laughs> Should we make it no. a Facebook event? <laughs> but also we could make this a new event. I think we that sounds really fun. Raking and baking. I like rake and bake better. Rake and bake. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should shake and bake. I think you should just take like some like pot butter Break over and for bake baking and, and see if your mom knows. We can always shake. I got you something real nice. My <laughs> okay. So anyway, I think Target should sponsor this episode because of that really great great plug you just did. That was a good one. Yeah, but you still can't try on clothes there. Yeah. No. Hashtag first world. Problems. That was like one of my favorite Hashtag memories COVID. with you guys is trying on clothes in Target for eighties yeah. night. That was or so the bras fun. and Victoria's Secret. Oh my god, that was literally or the best the, day of my life. Or the life. mesh cutoff shirts without bras. <laughs> yeah, which that photo re re came up in our lives recently, which was so nice. <laughs> so anyway, so, so back to the birth biggest plans. thing about birth planning is not necessarily what you come up with on the birth plan. That it's the like this is the plan no matter what. 
It's the education you get so that if you show up at the hospital and plans are changing, you then know what are these mm-hmm. interventions being offered to me. Yeah. And this is how I feel about it. And that includes... And you know how to advocate for yourself better. Yes. And and that includes talking about... So that's for me, like, we, we even talk to my clients about the best way to get what you want out of your providers. And so that's part of birth planning. Be a boss. <laughs> so I always say, get them on your side. So this is a lot of psychology coming at your way. Wow. You're so deep, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> get them on your side. My I wonder dear, where sweet clinical psychologist friend Jess. <laughs> so some of my clients will like bring their nurses brownies, not in like a rake and bake kind of way. You know, candles, brownies. Maybe it would go better if they, they did. bring stuff to the hospital to pull people to their side. Yeah. And it works. Like before the birth even occurs? What if they like don't treat you well? Do you just take the brownies away? (laughs) (laughs) No brownies for you. Yeah, no No brownies. (laughs) (laughs) And then I say when there's something that you want, there's a way to talk about it. So if you ask it as a question, because people tend to get really subservient in like healthcare settings and they're like, so kind of like I do to you when I don't agree with you or is it possible and like don't make any eye contact just like roll your eyes up to the ceiling and like look around exactly is it possible that we could do x y and z you're leaving the ground open for people to say no to you Mm -hmm. if you say well I've done a lot of research about uh I'm just gonna give an example delayed cord clamping and I would like to leave the cord intact until after the birth of the placenta and then they can give their reasons why they think that's a bad idea. And you can be like, I appreciate your advice. Thank you. But we've done a lot of research and it's yes. really important to us that we leave. It leaves less psychological room for them to say no to you. I also like to tell clients. Confident and kind. Too, that you have to like kind. You have to think of the healthcare industry as a service industry as well. Like you are going into the hospital to receive and pay for services so you do have a say in what those services look like so like when we tell clients that like if they're unhappy with the care they're providing they can ask for a different provider like a lot of people are shocked by that but like you are a consumer purchasing services you do have control over the services you're accessing like the language and the pressure around healthcare doesn't make you feel that way at all but like that's why these conversations need to happen so people recognize that you do have control over outcomes in your in any healthcare situation you're in and I think that's what's important about birth planning and birth planning sessions is that it also helps you know what questions to ask your provider because we talk so much about how there's different providers for different people and some Mm -hmm. people are going to like one provider and some people are not going to and so if you've had a birth planning session and you've been like oh okay so we've talked about I'm gonna go back to delayed cord clamping again um or birthing your placenta without Pitocin. Um, How about, since you feel really strongly about this at your next appointment, you can go to your provider and say, so I was thinking I want to do this. What are your feelings about that? And then you can kind of feel out your provider according to how they act to know, is this provider the right provider for you? Or should you be looking somewhere else that is more likely to get you the birth that you want? Because Mm -hmm. we know outcomes are different across different settings or different providers. Even before that, do interviews before you hire someone Yeah, to see if it's a good fit. I think interviews aren't really possible when you're birthing in the hospital. Because like, it's such a big practice you and you get so many get different to people. Go interview, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But I think that's why a lot of out-of-hospital out midwives end up getting like 28-week transfers because yep. the moms are, they, maybe they have a practice that does have midwives and they're yep. like, okay, it's going to be more open-minded or, um, and or then, you, they, then they realize like, 
well, I mentioned delayed cord clamping and they laughed at me and said it didn't matter if they were term babies or I said I wanted to go pain free and they just made some sort of comment and I realized they're listening to me. Yeah. Well, they're letting me talk, but they're right. not hearing what right. I'm saying. Well, in birth planning sessions too, it also is knowing which questions to ask because I've seen a lot that it's like people will go into the hospital and they'll talk to their providers. Sometimes in the beginning, they don't even know which questions to ask. And then other times they'll go and they'll be like, we want delayed cord clamping. And the hospital will be like... Oh, we do that routinely. You don't have to worry about that. And oh, you're like, wait, fantastic. is it for more than 30 yeah. seconds? And so then <laughs> they find out d- during a birth planning episode, if you do that, like, okay, so their idea of delayed cord clamping might be different than your idea of delayed cord clamping. So let's find out what your idea is. And then you can ask further questions to find out if that's possible in that birth setting. I think in hospital, it's one minute, right? That's their That's oh, their really? so standard. Oh, really? That's yeah, their standard. Standard is one minute. Um, but I've seen them like, and, and Winchester has been fantastic. So if our moms say, I would really like delayed cord clamping, mm-hmm. they're like, sure, no problem. Mm-hmm. That's like but, almost like the norm now. Right. Like they kind of like laugh at our birth plans when they're like, oh, we do this already. We do this. We don't do this yet. But I've yeah. seen them. I've seen someone come in and clamp. Like at one point, someone actually walked over from the newborn team right away clamped the cord and I went (gasps) and like I looked up and the doctor covered it real fast with a blanket and then I was like I'm not going to tell the mom because she'll be devastated and he's like well we're not going to cut the cord yet yeah because they wanted to delay it and then the doctor just looked at me like please please don't say and I was like "Mm, I mean they could have taken the clamp off yeah I was gonna say oh yeah they're gonna go get the 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 cord oh, that's clamp. right. That you, it's like a. Oh, it's you like, can't, yeah, right? they don't hemostat it. They snap yeah. it on there. So yeah, no. So then we just kept it. I mean, I didn't keep it covered. They kept it covered, and then the mom did notice it and asked me about it later. And I was yeah. like, yes, I just didn't want to point it out to you in the moment that you were looking at your baby. But yeah, I mean, and it wasn't done maliciously. It's just no, it's their their norm. Yeah, and so that's where it's like during when you're <laughs> like, is there such thing as malicious cord clamping? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, if a baby is struggling and they cord clamp, that might be a little malicious I in think, my book. No, I think there is such a thing as malicious cord clamping because I think there has become this like um, stigma. Not the not the stigma, but at some point in time and amongst some providers, there is this tension amongst like doulas and obstetricians mm-hmm. or if you're transferring men out of hospital birth to an in-hospital birth or clients who come in wanting a natural birth and so where humans and ego gets involved and i have known providers who will maliciously do something they know their client doesn't want almost as like a power struggle mm-hmm. i, I haven't seen it a lot lately um but it has happened i bet if before. we ask people for stories like that we'd get a number of stories so i, mean, I think it does happen haven't you had situations before where you've transferred to the hospital knowing a mom needs to be sectioned or knowing and and the hospital will actually wait you've had experience where they actually would not do interventions just because they were trying to prove you wrong and like Mm -hmm. ended ended up with bad outcomes yes i had someone laugh at me once because they checked and they were like the head's right there and i was like i am aware Mm -hmm. they're like no i'm getting this baby out and i was like and i said great then i'll owe you a dinner and you'll be my hero for the rest of my life like go ahead i want to see how you do this that was the one that was like a transverse arrest right um one of them it's happened more than once unfortunately and that's fine because then the mom knows like i was given a chance she did everything there also but then the doctor's face when they wheel away for a c-section it's like 
Like if I go into a hospital, I'm like a sponge. I want to suck up everything that everyone is saying. Like teach me yeah. something new. I want to watch you suture. I want to hear everything that you're thinking. I want to know what your thoughts are and, and what is your experience with this. But anytime I have something to share, like, you know, what about this? And they don't want to hear it. Like yeah. they being the OB absolutely doesn't usually want to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I've had conversations with nurses too, where they seem a little off put by it, but then they're like, Oh wow. We didn't know. How did you know that? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. So we learn from each other. I just wish I've had both would. experiences. I feel like you probably end up having the experience more often because you're coming in as a midwife onto their territory. And you have whereas... a reputation. <laughs> you crazy, Do I? you oh, crazy bitch. That's you. right. I'm a crazy um, bitch. And so like I go to bed at eight 30, but whatever. <laughs> she's out of control. So I have more of like, I get go into the hospital and, as a doula, it's always been a big goal of mine to never become combatant with the team that I'm working and with. And you're a sweet little nine heart. It takes so much for you to get there. So <laughs> you're fine. To get combatant. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Combatant. Um, combatant? But combatant. so I've had the opportunity of working with nurses where it's like I or I can have conversations come up and sometimes I'm astounded. Like one time I had a conversation with a OB nurse who had been a nurse there for like 40 years. And so we had had like a really good birth together and we were like really jiving. And so I ended up asking her, I was like, so, you know, there's a lot of these hospitals that are getting these tables so that they can resuscitate babies without clamping the cord. And she goes, I don't even, what would be the point of that? Like the placenta comes out right away anyway. Like, is there like... And I, as I was talking to her more and asking questions, I was That's realizing like 40 years of immediate that pit it was 40 her. years of her delivering babies and she had no idea what the physiology of the placenta was. Right. And so like a lot of them think it like the mom is bleeding out when there's blood coming out of the cord and yeah. there's like a complete panic and yeah. it's like that's the blood that was supposed to go in the baby actually not hers yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the baby's blood um so yeah so that's been very interesting to me but then I've also had experiences where I'm working as a team with like the midwives with the nurses and And it's amazing and and, and, yeah and like there's like a mutual respect and just like oh you know let's try this let's try that and um, sharings of stories and those are the best experiences yeah. when we can learn from each other and we take our own ego out of it like my way's right and your way's wrong because really at the end of the day neither one of our ways are right or wrong no it's whatever works it's yeah you know that's what's important there and there are some really good doctors specifically where we transfer to so yeah it's not always bad it's no just, for sure not I wish it was more and so that's why I think birth planning is so important is not to make sure you get your perfect birth but to make sure you feel educated going in into the choices that may be offered to you and how you feel about them. Um, Because there's so, it's such an intense moment. Like it's really hard to make those decisions in that moment when they're like assuming you're going to agree with what they're saying and just kind of like brush it off, but then are just in there staring at you waiting for you to agree with them. And you're like, Oh, I would like more information about this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, well, like the mom that got, what did she get? Like CBS called her for asking for the insert for the vitamin oh K my, injection. She just wanted the insert, a copy of the insert yeah. to bring home with her. To look and at so, it, yeah. To look at. And they it's, called CPS to come talk to her. It was yeah. crazy. It's just like a supercharged situation and you're exhausted. And so also it's like for your partners too or your support people to know what your wishes are so that if you are like pushing your baby out, they are able to know what you want and advocate for you while you are busy doing other things like birthing your child. 
Yes. Yeah, that's what a doula is amazing. But when you for. don't have a doula, birth plan can yeah. be a really good like aid for the people make, who are supporting you. Right. And someone else needs to know what's on it, like you just said. Yeah. And Especially so with COVID. Oh yeah. And so I think when we come back from our break, I want to talk a little bit about the things that I think are important to have on a birth plan and what that should actually look like. Um, because I think that it's possible to like overwhelm your providers to be like, well, this is all bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. I don't listen. I transferred once. (laughs) I think I did once transfer. You transferred once. One time. And I've transferred several times. And, um, I I usually read the birth plan. Like I always read a birth plan. When I get to the center, I open their birth plan and I read it. So I just, because we highlight like the dad really wants to be involved with catching. I don't want to mm-hmm. mess that up and then have them be. Um, and the nurse said if she, because ha- they were lovely. If she has a birth plan, we would be happy to read it. And I was yeah. like, yes, she does. Can I use your computer to print it? Yes, you can. Wow. Thank you. It was actually, I was there for this. It was very smooth. It was, it was great. I mean, <laughs> the nurses at Winchester are, they're yeah. amazing. I've always had them respect. Yeah. Birth so amazing. Yeah. And so I started to print, print it out while I was talking to one of the doctors who's awesome. And I didn't realize it was like five pages long. Mm. I thought I had accidentally printed something else. Yeah. So I I printed it off and the nurse just comes by and like, she's like, I'll take it. And And you're like, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was reading it off the computer and I just like my head just like. I'm pretty sure it opened with like a half a page long paragraph about. If you give any details and they listen, they're going to have their feelings hurt. So don't do it. But it was, it was the whole birth plan was things that mm-hmm. the hospital and the nurses and the doctors have zero control. It, it, yeah. it wasn't like requesting, uh, you know, please don't offer me an epidural. Please don't whatever. It was, yep. it was way more of like the spiritual side of things. And so that stuff's important, but I, I don't think... So there's some things it's where that, it's, and you might disagree. There's some things where it's too much to give to your in-hospital Yeah, providers. it was like four pages too much. Yeah. It's a shame that it's too much because I don't think that you don't have control over those things. Unfortunately, you're just birthing in a culture where that's not normal. Yes. Well, and so, that's true. And so that's the whole thing is that we respect a lot of those things that people are saying in their birth plans, but it's like knowing the culture they're going into, it's like, let's find a way to help them get what they want while also not overwhelming the nurses and doctors with being like, okay, they want us to rub crystals on her yoni after her placenta comes I'm out. I'm sorry, what's a yo- what's a yoni? <laughs> <laughs> a yoni? A yoni? So for the record, that should never be on your birth plan if you're birthing in the hospital that you want crystals rubbed on your yoni after your placenta comes out. <laughs> Damn it, why not? Meredith's like face is like, I disagree. But if anyone out there okay If you have somebody who's gonna do that for you afterwards. But I don't think that, I am not I rubbing crystals on I'm your yoni. I'm not saying yoni. I'm gonna do if you it. Have crystals rubbed on your yoni after your I placenta comes out, I think that that's something that should be known by like your partner. Yes, your yeah. your, your other doula. Birth that's what I'm just yes. saying. And like then, if your partner, your doula is willing to do that for you. Perfect. And then um yes, but it's not something you should share with your doctors and nurses. Um, because 
they're usually that is going to be completely foreign to them and it's going to make them lose respect in their eyes as opposed to gain respect. Well, I also feel like you're not going to want people rubbing crystals on your yoni that don't have a good entertainment for that. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's like have your partner do that when the nurse steps out of the room. Like I had one client, you know, as a doula who it was a big deal to her. Um, she had a tattoo of a marijuana leaf on her back. And it was a really big deal to her. Oh, I remember this. Birthing in the hospital. Part of my job as a doula. Was to protect her tattoo. Was to never let anybody in the hospital see her tattoo of a marijuana leaf. And I understood that. Technically, don't they do drug testing for everybody without permission? Not at that time. They didn't. Oh, okay. No, they still were at that time. Were they still doing it? They still were at that time. Because they didn't start. And she knew that she wasn't smoking marijuana while she was pregnant or anything. But she had this really deep fear that they were going to judge her for that. And so that was part of my job. That would have happened. So that was something that she was able to share with me as a doula. Um, but that's not something that you would really necessarily share with your providers, is what I'm saying, because you really have no idea what nurse, what doctor, what their personal beliefs are when you're going. So there. Don't talk about your coke binges from childhood. No. No. One, of, one of my favorite interactions was a client who had to have a C-section and wanted the um, OB to swab her vagina and then like rub it all over the baby afterwards. Do oh, you remember yeah. this? Vaginal seating. That's actually really normal. Like a lot of people Super request normal. that, but I will never forget the OB's face. And she was like, listen, if you want to swab your vagina juices all over your baby's face, you go right ahead. But I'm not doing yeah. that. <laughs> but I mean, like, I respect that she was like, go for it if you just need don't, to. And then didn't she say, like, just don't let don't let them see you do yeah. it or something? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's well, like there's a research super, out there there's to so prove much research. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's that. really useful. Totally it's legit. wonderful. So it's but. like knowing what situation you're going into, what language can we use psychologically to help people get what they want? And so before we go to break, because it's almost time for break, I will say that um, one very, very important thing, and I learned this in doula training, was that um, with Penny Simpkin 15 years ago? Yes. My oh. doula trainer was like, so what would you do if a doctor comes into the room and they say they need to do X, Y, and Z? And the dad is saying, yes, we do need, we actually acted the whole thing out. We were like, yes, we need to do that. We need to do this. And the mom's like, I don't know. And then, and then like we got up into the front of the room and we ended up having this whole like hot mess happen. I don't remember doing this at all. We did two different trainings. And so then at one point she was like, okay, now pause. And she goes, now what would have happened if instead of you trying to intervene while the doctor's still in the room and the dad's feeling super heavy and the mom's feeling super heavy, what if you had just said, and I talk about this prenatally, can we have five minutes to talk about this? And I think that is a very, mm-hmm. very powerful tool. And so I always, now I tell my clients, like, if someone comes in, I, like, have a hand signal, like, and the dads will be like, can we have five minutes to talk about this? <laughs> and the providers are always like, sure. Sure, no problem. Yeah, we'll step out of the room. We'll be back soon. Let us know what you think. And so then I always tell my clients, even if you don't have a doula, you could do the same thing. Like, um, okay, so ask me all the questions you have about this. I'll tell you probably what they're thinking from their perspective. I'll show tell you the things I've seen from my perspective. I can then step out. Mm-hmm. You guys can talk about it. Get on an agreed front. And then five minutes later when everyone comes back in, it's a completely different story. Yeah. So I love I think, walking out of the room and letting parents decide what they want to do, actually. I think it's yeah. really useful. And I think it's so powerful because it gives them it gives them a lot of power as not just 
individually but as a couple for them to be on a united front as a couple and i feel Um, like it shifts the pace right i feel like in those moments things are so intense and like things are moving so quickly yes and then that like kind of resets the pacing a little bit and like right now yeah you've got time like this is an important decision like give it the time it deserves sometimes you don't have time there are and i do say that there are specific times you don't have time but the majority of times the doctor comes in and says, hey, yeah. we think we need to start Pitocin. Right. You have plenty of time. Right now. Or we think we might want to break your water. You have plenty of time to talk I mean, about a decision that decision on C-section a lot of the times. Yes. You have a moment to step back and take a breath and like talk about it. So. Yeah. And so I, before we go to break, I'll leave with that. Like I think that's a very important and part of why I do birth planning sessions is to is to give power back to parents and let them realize like you really do have the power to ask questions and make decisions and take that power into your hands in a you know in a way where you are knowledgeable and understand what's happening and you're not just like going with the flow because you don't really understand what's happening and it's a stressful situation yeah but go ahead also acknowledging the culture of the place that you're in and without letting that determine your actions, like creating space for that culture and not allowing it to like, um, I'm so bad with words sometimes acknowledging the culture of the place that you're in it's a shame. You're on a podcast. I know. I'm so sorry. And like acknowledging the limitations that of that <laughs> and like not allowing it to overwhelm you, but like making decisions, acknowledging where you're at and it's not exactly what you wanted, but like, letting yeah. it like they if someone keep transfers you, to the hospital you yeah guess. like without, eat- like learning how to like not sacrifice what you want from your birth while acknowledging that like what you exactly wanted isn't available to you because of the culture of yeah. the place you're or, in or maybe what you want is available to you but it's like what is the best way to go about getting that um even if it's not the route you would think of immediately yeah i just want to add in um like the, you know you have that little hand signal yeah some parents get really overwhelmed in the hospital and there's no hand signal yeah catching their eye so hey (laughs) so i will often so if you're a doula or like a midwife that transfers to a hospital i have no problem saying you know what why don't you guys just take a minute they can come back it's it's fine you can have a second you can say it out loud right and then they'll be like oh okay Mm -hmm. you know it reminds them right Yeah. yeah And then you 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 might be the one. Sometimes that like, I'll Ugh. walk over to the dad because usually the mom's doing her thing, and I'll walk over to the dad and be like, "This is a point in time where you could ask for five minutes." And I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about that." I just uh, picture you yeah. as a doula as this sneaky, yeah, just like sidestepping, like, coming up behind. Ask for a minute. <laughs> or like, <laughs> don't let them cut into pathiotomy. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I feel like a lot of birth plans end up Say having no like a safe word. <laughs> Delayed cord clapping. <laughs> that would be terrifying for like sleep deprived parents. They'd be like, ah. <laughs> oh, All right, it's time to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about the things you should include on your birth plan. And think, well, I guess. And we why some about- people who can't use their words shouldn't have a podcast. Yes, you should. We you have a hundred Mer- words for one. <laughs> we love you, Meredith. Cue the music. Oh, yeah. So today's sponsor for our episode is actually us. We have big goals in mind with our podcast, and we are trying to reach a wider audience. In order to do this, we are launching a Patreon account. If you don't know what a Patreon account is, 
it is an avenue for people to become patrons of our podcast. There'll be three levels of support that you can give us, and you'll have special offers available only to patrons. One of the goals that we're trying to accomplish with this account is to reach the deaf community. In order to do this, we've been trying to videotape every single one of our episodes and give closed captioning so that our deaf audience can also enjoy the podcast. We found this to be a lot more difficult than we thought it would be, and we need professional help. So if you would like to help us in this endeavor to be able to hire someone to do our closed captioning and reach the deaf community, check out our Patreon account. It will be full of fun offers available just to patrons. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, and we look forward to entertaining you for a long time. Back to the episode. Welcome back from that delightful break. So delightful. So I was just thinking that one thing I want to clarify in this whole thing is I do feel like in-hospital birth plans are very different from out-of-hospital birth plans. So I, I do encourage my clients, if nothing else, to do a uh, in-hospital birth plan in case of transfer so we can have those important conversations that we've been talking about. But for in-hospital, sorry, out-of-hospital struggle bus, I do appreciate them saying, like, if dad wants to catch, if they do or don't want certain people in their birth space, because sometimes we do have to protect that space. Yeah. Um. If they want affirmations, if there's certain things because of their history that they do or don't want us to say, I totally those are agree. things I would expect in like a out of hospital birth plan, but wouldn't necessarily expect in a in hospital birth. Plan. So those are the kind of discussions that me as a doula I have with my client that I would consider a birth plan that they're sharing like with me. And so if you're birthing in hospital and you have things like that. That's um, like the responsibility of your doula. I would say share partner. that with your doula or your partner or your mom. Um, like the nurses in the hospital are spending a lot of time taking care of a lot of people. And they're not going to have the mental energy to know if you want candles lit or what song you want But playing. technically you can't have either way. So. Yeah. Um, and so it's like have that be the people you bring to the hospital with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... There is a difference between what you would share in a birth plan if you're planning to birth out of hospital. But even for people who are planning to birth out of hospital, we do a birth plan for if you transfer. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what would be on, I think all of these things would be on any birth plan. Um, but if you're planning to birth in the hospital or making a birth plan for if should, you should have to transfer to the hospital, mm-hmm. what should be on it? I think it, de- and I think there should be like um, someone, well, several people I've seen at the bottom. It says, in the case of a cesarean, mm-hmm. please do this. So it, it, you can start with like, okay, I'm going to the hospital. Maybe I've been in labor and I'm not progressing like I thought. Maybe I need an epidural. Like, yep. you know, so start with the simple things mm-hmm. like, please do this or do that or don't do this and don't do that. But I think one big thing to remember when you're writing it from the beginning is that if you're transferring to the hospital where you hadn't planned on being in the yes. hospital, you're doing that for a reason. Exactly. So, so there should be some some leeway or it's almost like pick your battles. You know, if we, if I personally take you to the hospital, it's for something that we need that I can't provide. So if you go in, in attack mode Mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't want this and I'm not going to do that. You have a right to do that, but it might kind of offset. It's probably going to make your birth go worse. It's going to create a culture of stress or like conflict that you might not necessarily need. And even if it's not creating a culture of stress, I feel like even going into that space 
in that mode is going to put you into like a space of like adrenaline and battle yeah like, like fight or flight cortisol just like yes through the roof. and that's going to make your birth go worse anyway mm-hmm. whereas if you're going into it like open i'm gonna work with these people to get my birth the best way possible you're much more likely to be not putting yourself into that stressful mm-hmm. that's sh- as least cascade of hormones yeah and so i always say for a client of mine if you're planning to birth at the hospital let's say you're planning a intervention free birth at the hospital your birth plan is going to look a lot different than a birth plan for someone who's making one because they're transferring to the hospital Mm -hmm. because of those very reasons Mm -hmm. um and so i want to start first with like if you are a person planning a hospital birth it's actually not that different but it would be a little bit different so some like very easy things I would put in. So I, I always say regardless of the birth plan and where you're birthing, it should be one page typed. Yeah. Um, short and yes. sweet and to the point. And just very short bullet, bullet yes. points. Mm-hmm. I was going to say bulletproof. <laughs> bulletproof. <laughs> but oh, that's only because there's a civil war possibly starting today. So we <laughs> I all, was wondering if that was going to come We all need today. to be bulletproof. <laughs> Election day, baby. Watch out. So I always say start your birth plan with a very short paragraph, not a long paragraph, like four lines. Like, like this is my name. This is where I'm, this is my, like, I'm planning an intervention-free birth. I want to have these people in the room. Thank you so much for helping me meet my baby. For help. Thank you so much for helping me get my birth, the birth that I would like as as close to it as possible. Something along those lines. Probably thank not. you for facilitating yeah. these birth wishes. Basically, like, thank you for being on my team and not against me. Um, and then it would be like the main subheadings would be like for labor. And then the next main subheading would be for pushing in birth. And then the next one would be for sub for postpartum and then the next one would be for in case of an emergency and you can you can include newborn care mm-hmm. like yeah. if you highlight newborn care like it could be like a separate thing or under postpartum i do that during post usually for postpartum yeah yeah i think we should true. post an example of a birth plan after that like when we release this totally episode and i don't know if it's just so it, anytime i've transferred with a mom um most of the time they'll say do you do you want this do you want that yes they but have I've, started doing yeah that. yes the availability of those waivers is so much better than it used to be right but one of the last births i think i said one of the last births that i went to they were just so busy winchester's gotten so busy since mm-hmm. warren has closed and she said okay well we're just gonna go we're gonna go ahead and this is a good time to do this nobody was asked so yeah. then i found myself going are you okay with that? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and then so they, you were doing like the role of a doula. Right. And and they, which is fine. That's essentially what I am in the hospital. So I yeah. don't mind doing that. But, but the mom was so tired. She was saying yes to everything. And you knew it was not I what knew she it, actually and, wanted. And it's not that any of it was going to hurt, you know, so much, but they did like give the hepatitis B and, and the mom didn't want that yeah but she didn't remember enough because she was so tired you're exhausted your brain yeah is completely so i was just off. like ah i mean i asked her she said i don't care and so they did it yeah but they don't they didn't ask at all they were just like we're gonna do this so yeah. and so that might be one of those things where if it's on the birth plan already and they've already seen it like before you're tired like i've handed in this be like well your birth plan said you didn't want that size piece shot so that's like going through it but so some of the things i would put on for like in labor if you're planning on giving birth in the hospital i do do a bullet for like freedom of movement even though that's pretty you know standard standard 
talking about um, monitoring, even though that's pretty standard now. Like most people want intermittent monitoring as opposed to like continuous monitoring. And I'll share with my clients time when continuous monitoring is more necessary. Like if you're being induced mm-hmm. or if there's certain things happening. I think the one time that I find that doesn't come up unless we mention it is like when women want to get in the shower or in the tub and Mm -hmm. need monitoring being like, Hey, can we get one of those like tele units that allow the mom freedom of movement to go into the shower and things like that? Or like, if I need to hold this here while she's in the tub, like I can do that for you. Which a good thing about Winchester that I found out several years ago, their regular monitors that they plug in to the one next to the bed, the, um, yeah, the straps. They're actually waterproof. Oh, interesting. And so you can actually have them on the um, portable monitor and you just bring like an IV pole in and you can hang it from the IV pole as long as the box stays out of the right, water. the probes can the be The probes that are oh, on their belly and the straps are waterproof. Okay. And not all nurses know that. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like if people don't think about that. And so you kind of have mm-hmm. to bring that up sometimes if your client wants to use water in any way. Yes. Look at the cat. Yeah, she's being very dramatic. Apparently, so we're cute. boring. So, so, wait, I'm gonna take. Oh, I don't have my phone. So that would so be something to have for in labor. Um, your feelings about pain medication—that's different for everybody. Fentanyl. If you're, yeah. So we talk about like the different kinds of pain medications, which we can't get into right well, now. Well, we actually talked about that already in another episode. Yeah, so we can like reference the that. difference between IV medications and epidurals. You're against Cytotec. I'm against fentanyl. I'm against. I think she's against really well. against fentanyl enough well. <laughs> that I want to actually say that out loud. I yeah. think it's the devil, but that's just me. I feel like the only time, and I think you agree with me, um, maybe the only time I would ever tell anyone that they should use fentanyl in labor is if they are like transferring and they're at their wit's end and they're completely freaking out, and it's going to take a little bit longer until they can get an epidural. That would be the only time I would advise any kind of like. IV oh. medication. Yeah. But I even still then, don't. you have to give the like that you're getting an opiate and your baby is getting an opiate. Right. And it will only last 15 minutes. Exactly. And then you're going to so be right back I, into it. I've or had, you'll be in more pain. I've had a couple of moms. Usually I say, don't take it. I'll just say it out loud. Don't take it. Yeah. The epidural will be here. I'll rub your back, your butt. I'll yeah. do whatever you want. Don't take it. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. But I've had a couple moms that are literally screaming yeah. on the top of their lungs. Yeah, we had one client yeah. together who and got fentanyl. There's nothing you can do. Got like, fentanyl waiting for her epidural. And it helped. Yeah. It did help her. Yeah. So it's just. But me, it was like a stop gap between like, we know you have 30 minutes before this gets here. Right. It wasn't like fentanyl is going to save your natural birth or something. No, 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 no. Because usually it's the opposite. It's going to actually make you be in more pain when it's right. over and you're going to get it. And but it's, I mean, I have, we anyway. have our limits too. And so do the nurses. If you're screaming yep. and kicking and thrashing and thrashing and threatening to stab yourself, then yeah, I guess you're getting an, an opioid. Yeah. And so I it mean, happens. Yes. I'm not making fun. I'm simply saying acknowledging that like when you've been awake for three days it and happens. you've transferred for exhaustion, that is sometimes where you're at. I threaten to stab myself for three all the time when I'm tired. I guess what we're saying is that it's not always a bad decision, but right there are times that I would say 99% of the time an opiate is not the way to go. Um, and then, so, but just telling them your opinions on pain medication in a bullet point. And so it's like, if you're trying to have a natural birth, part of that will be like, do not offer me pain medication. I'll tell you if I need it. And I like to acknowledge that like this podcast is not nearly enough time to talk about all of this. It's just no. why you need to have 
a doula or provider who creates a space in your prenatal time to have these conversations because like it's even hard right now to even feel like this is like a well-rounded conversation around your options yeah so I do notice so sometimes I wonder like when I go into Winchester it is really it's usually a great experience mm-hmm. that's the main hospital the only hospital I transferred to and so I noticed they actually will write on the boards like natural birth yeah desires With a natural face. yeah so it's like um I don't know if it's just for our moms, like if you have a provider with you, are they doing that because they know, okay, you have a doula or you have a midwife, obviously yeah. this is what you want or is, are they doing it's that like for everyone? It's like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. <laughs> I've always, sort just, of. I've always just assumed that they know that they're the clients who come from out of hospital birth centers expect like a different culture experience and they like cater to that because they're being mindful. I don't necessarily feel like that's the truth for everybody that comes into that space. I'm sorry. I just remembered I had a a memory of a nurse standing at the nurse's station and one of the doctors was giving me a hard time and he or she said something like well if we just push a baby out then this would all be over and the nurse funny you said something similar to that to me one time at a birth i did but the nurse was a nurse was standing there next to me and she turned to the doctor and said uh if it were that easy she'd have done it at the center and i was like yes "Yes, queen And yes, we will I bring may have said cookies. those things because I too get tired and want to stab myself we in the eye. We all do. We're all, we all hit our breaking points. Okay, so going back to like in labor for your birth plan. Um, Thanks, Jess, for so rounding that like back to say in. Your feelings on Pitocin um, or like if you feel like you're avidly against Cytotech, like if I need to be induced, I want this, this, and not Cytotech. Like those kind of things should be for during your in labor. Or having a safe word for when you really, really, really want that epidural that you said you don't really want. Yeah, which I don't even <laughs> think you need a safe word. If you really, really want an epidural, you're going to get it across that you really, really, really want an epidural. And it's like, there's not going to be any stopping you. And we know the difference between someone who yeah. is like flirting with the idea of an epidural. Saying you want an epidural in between hey contractions versus hey you saying you want an epidural during, epi- yeah. during contractions. Looking good over there, epidural. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you could be a fun date. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get in my spine? <laughs> <laughs> the only time I almost ever passed out in nursing school was watching an epidural. Really? It's oh, intense. Yeah. They're intense. Oh, it's they've the, never it's bothered like, me. It's like, uh, it's like, oh, uh, no, I'm not going they've, they've never bothered me watching them. Ooh, when we went to Chuck's um, appointment for the His spine issues. Yes. So there was Extensive a picture spine of spine um, problems <laughs> of a spine. And I was like, oh, ooh, let me show you how an epidural works. So I'm like, here's your needle. And you go in this space. Oh, is this to Chuck who gives zero yes. fucks? And then he goes, it was just funny because he knows nothing about any of that stuff. And he goes, well, what if you miss? And I'm like, that is a good question. And then you Let's do it talk again. About that. <laughs> so then when I was done, he goes, why would anyone get an epidural? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me give you a few contractions. And yeah, then really. <laughs> That's the things that men say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay so let's move on to <laughs> pushing and birth so if you're planning to have a hospital birth i need a coffee to get myself through it. or even if you're not i would say like to get through birth i also need coffee to get through birth some of the biggest things i would put in my birth plan for pushing and birth would be um non-coached non-coached pushing so pushing with your body's own urges unless if, you if, unless, unless you yeah. ask for it and you find it helpful or unless you have pain medications, in which case you might not feel it. Yes. And so I go over all of that. So it's like if you're having a natural birth, 
pushing with your body's own urges as long as everything's working okay um as opposed to it's like that it, you tend to fall into that cookie cutter like coach pushing as long as soon as they know you're 10 centimeters dilated or whatever mm-hmm. what a difference does it make this is I si- i'm sidetracking mm-hmm. like allowing the baby to come down versus oh you're 10 let's start pushing yes. i have to say though breathing down has become a lot more normal in the hospital oh, yeah, especially if you have and, an epidural yeah then if you have an epidural baby on down. having an epidural laboring down so if you like get checked and you're 10 centimeters but your baby's still yeah, at negative like, two yeah. station it's be like well you're fine you know baby's fine why don't you rest a little bit longer? Your baby will keep moving lower and lower, and then eventually your baby gets to zero or plus one. And you're like, ooh, I feel it. And then it's like, now you can start. It's more like, ooh, I feel it. some coach pushing, but like laboring down, waiting for your body's natural urges, whether you have a epidural or not, can be super helpful. So your feelings on pushing, and if you have a doula or, you know, a midwife, they would talk to you more in depth than we are now about that. And the different circumstances before you put that in your birth plan. Um, another big one would be your feelings for the um, delayed cord clamping. And that's a whole, we could have a whole episode about delayed cord clamping. And let's Didn't just remind that no? everyone that without at least a minute of delayed cord clamping, your baby can lose up to 20% of its blood volume. Yeah. So that's why we push for it so much. And they might tell you it's like, oh, it's a tablespoon or two. It's like, that's 20% of your yeah, feel like that's a lot of blood for them. Blood volume and that blood that's in the placenta has a purpose physiologically to fill in the lungs and all the things that were not getting blood flow when they were inside and not and breathing. They, and they wait. They will wait if you ask for like even if you ask for five minutes, they will honor that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might get some comments, but I mean, they typically will. They typically will will mm-hmm. honor that unless baby needs to be resuscitated at all. That's still something we're working on in the hospital. I just want to say resusc- resuscitation with the mother with the cord intact is very possible because we do it all. It's the very time. possible. It's not something that they are trying to do in the hospital. There's no at other this way to do it, in my opinion. It's yep. like taking away a life saver from someone who can't swim. Yeah, but. That is one of the things about delivering in a hospital is that they are not equipped at this point in time to do resuscitation with an intact cord. So that's something that you need to know if you're de- choosing to deliver Which in a hospital. Which is weird because the baby does actually have a flat surface, be it the mom or the bed. But you know what? I mean, we do it all the time. I mean, we do it all the time. Well, the fact that people are trying to get tables or something is promising. It's literally right on my face. They are in some hospitals, but not in our hospital. Um, and so then that would be in it. Your feelings about episiotomy, I found in our hospitals, they're not really doing them anymore. We've had different experiences. Really? So maybe your feelings on episiotomy then. It hasn't been my experience that they're doing them unless it's really, really necessary. And I think um, putting in what's necessary. So if you, if and, and yes, most of them are not. And I've watched the doctors. Like, Sometimes they are. Yeah. But usually it's amazing. But I would say to put in like please no episiotomy unless my baby's heart rate is mm-hmm. low or like be specific about what your definition of necessary is yes. right like unless it's an emergent delivery not because it's taking even that's hard long. though because i mean in the in, a, in the moment if a ob or a nurse midwife feels like it's emergent like are they actually gonna listen to that i'm not sure like the experience you had where well, you're like the, ah like literally like physically blocking them because like their intuition was to the go only for it emergent situation that could be happening is that the baby's crashing yeah, but their like definition of crashing is f- it's a flexible definition i mean is it how many times have we transferred for a baby that's crashing and then they get let them labor for another that's true. hour so that's why i'm saying like they should be the ones that are like oh it's fine like 
But that's a question you could talk to your provider about. Like, when do they see the need for an episiotomy? Do they do them kind of routinely? What are their episiotomy rates? Like, nobody should have an episiotomy rate above 10%. And it should That's be insane. even a lot no. more, a lot less than that. I've, I've is cut. that what the rate is now? No, I don't know. I was just saying, like, it should be way less than ten percent. I've cut two, yeah, in seven years, and then two, so four in fifteen years. But the first two were as a student. Yeah, well, I mean, we're also technically only working with low risk women, so I don't know if the need for episiotomy goes up when you're working with high risk women. I don't know, but. So that would be a conversation you should have with your provider, but it be, could be something you would have in your birth plan. Um, also for pushing in birth, um, you would have in your birth plan. Nowadays, you have to put in there that you'd prefer to push without a mask if possible. Gosh, right. But we're not even going to get into that. Um, delayed. We talked about a little bit about delayed cord clamping. That would be in for pushing in birth. Like, what is your idea of delayed cord clamping? Talk to your provider about that beforehand. Letting your How partner I'm support person catch nowadays can be an option. Yes. And and that would be things, all of these things would be things I'd remind your provider of. I wouldn't just say, like, they read the birth plan. When it comes to, like, episiotomy, delayed cord clamping, dad catching baby, these are conversations I'm having as it's getting closer to the time when the baby's born. So they've been reminded of the fact that these are wishes. I've also had those conversations with, because really the nurses, like... Are the ones who protect your care. Yeah, they're, I mean, they make or break the entire experience, mm -hmm. typically. So I'll always pull a nurse aside and say, listen, this is so important to them. Do you think you could share it with the doctor? It's mm -hmm. going to come across better from you. Yeah. And then they'll usually do that. Waiting until that whole group of people run into the room and the energy is super high yep. might be. Like, the baby's head is already out. Yeah. That <laughs> might be pushing it. So yeah. you have to be doing it. Pushing it. See what I did? Dun, Push dun, it good. Yeah. Dun, dun. Oh, um, my God. The last birth that I was at, the dad kept going. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> like the whole time. <laughs> like I'd get it out of my head and then he, I'd hear. Uh, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Stop. He goes, I don't know what other birth song I could possibly get stuck in my head. Ring of and Fire. And I was like, how about the Ring of Fire? He goes, why that one? Aww. And then after the baby came out, she goes, oh, my God, that burned. And I was yeah. like, there you go. That's why. <laughs> so funny. She had had an epidural with her first, so she didn't feel the Ring of Fire. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so then for pushing in birth, um, your feelings about Pitocin for the birth of your placenta. Mm -hmm. um, if you're birthing in the hospital. Which you're probably getting without even knowing they you're will, getting that's, it. Yeah, they will routinely give you. If you have an IV, you're getting it. Even Everybody, if you don't, they will give you a shot. Though. Even if you don't. Oh, they do a shot if you don't do have an IV going? Yeah. Oh, so I've never seen that. You need to learn about that, how you feel about Pitocin for the birth of the placenta. Because if you say nothing, you're going to get it in the hospital, whether you ask for it or not. I, I feel like they're going to tuck on it no matter what. There's yeah. mixed feelings about it. And that's why it's like, yeah. we don't have time to go into that right now. But, um, like... I don't feel like, okay, but no, 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 no time for that. learn about it prenatally and decide how you feel about it and put that in your birth plan and talk to your providers about it. Slash beforehand. your nurse about it Because for some people, it's super important not to do that. And a lot of people don't even realize it's a thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so then when we get down to like postpartum, um, skin to skin with baby un uninterrupted. Which nowadays they're like, that's standard. Like they do genuinely tend to put the baby straight on the mom's chest. Yes. But they very often tend to measures. have that thing where it's like the, the, 
baby people are like, well, we're just going to take the baby for 10 minutes. And then in that 10 minutes, their temperature drops, Mm -hmm. their respirations go up. And it's like, no. But I have found if you're, and and usually you're so agreeable at that point in time because you're like, I'm like, I got a baby. Um, but if you're like, no, I really want baby to stay with me for at least an hour, they're like, okay, we'll do it later. Yeah, like you don't need to measure my baby right now. I can wait. Exactly. No. Um, so that's a big one. And we and did like the, Hep B, vitamin K, erythromycin. Yeah, we did all that stuff in a previous episode. The immediate newborn procedures would be a vitamin K shot, erythromycin before you I leave the hospital, mint. hepatitis B shot. How you feel about that? How you feel about breastfeeding pacifiers. That yes. would be an important thing. Sugar to water. Your birth plan. Whether or not you will allow your baby out um, to go, go to, to the, the nursery. nursery. Yep. And then if you are going to let your baby go to the nursery, which I've actually heard of a lot of women doing lately. Like mm-hmm. I just needed a nap. I'd let my baby go to the nursery. You need to then have it written down and also remind them you are not circumcising. Mm-hmm. You do not want formula or sugar water and you do not want a pacifier yep. unless you're okay with it. But those are the times your baby will be given whatever they need to do to keep your baby from crying. Yeah. So if you're going to let baby go to the nursery. So they're going to circumcise the baby to keep him from crying? I mean, I was going to call her out on that. But there was that time that Alice told us about where that doctor went and circumcised that baby without parental permission because they're so used to doing it. They don't even ask anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it wasn't to keep them from crying. But it was just that they were doing their rounds of when it was time to do it. And I was like, okay, we'll circumcise this baby. Um, so that would be that was a dumb question. Baby has a penis. That would be another one postpartum, like your feelings about circumcision. Um, and then my last one that I want to talk about is in case of emergency, because like we said, birth plans are not just like for if everything's glitter and rainbows and this is exactly how you want it. This is those shit. But a lot of people think that if like it comes down to it, that you're getting an emergency cesarean, all of your plans, all the things you wanted go out the window. And that's not true. So no, not at all. What do they call them? The one like the the family center family cesareans. And so these are happening in more and more places like they're getting really cool. Actually, I'm seeing so many videos. Mom scrubbing up and helping like deliver their babies. Oh, remember my mom's story that she sent in. Everybody was singing. Yeah, it was awesome. So some of the biggest ones, so like from what I've been able to tell at our local hospital, we're not that crunchy yet where like moms are helping to deliver their own babies by cesarean. But some of the biggest ones that are very doable are um, getting some sort of delayed cord clamping for if you have a baby by cesarean. Putting them straight on your chest and breastfeeding. Putting them straight on your chest and during in the OR and making sure that there's no separation of mom and baby. Because it used to be um, that mom would stay and get sewed up dad would go to the nursery with baby mm-hmm. and you wouldn't see either of them again until mom's out of recovery and so now it's like pushing for there not to be that separation like mom and baby stay together the whole time and that they can do some of that delayed cord clamping and i think the more it becomes routine in other places the more to normal make it cesareans becomes. more and more family-centered the more it's going to happen here. And Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't happen for you, just the thought of putting it in your birth plan and asking your doctor for it, the more people that ask for all these things, the more chance it is that their policies are going to change. Well, I mean, think about like when we first started doing birth work, how 
like awkward it was to ask for waivers for hep B and erythromycin and vitamin K or and even immediate skin to skin and a vaginal. Yeah, place. it was, it was so very, many it was have changed. It's like changed so much. And that's only because people are making it more normal to want those things or to not mm-hmm. want certain things. So like, I know that sometimes like healthcare can feel really powerless, but ultimately, like I said earlier, like you're the consumer, like your demands yep. are what shapes healthcare. So like, and if make people, it count, if you know? people start leaving that birth space because they're not getting what they want and they're hearing that this is what people want and then they're leaving they're losing money every time someone leaves that birth space and remember 60 years ago the husbands or the partners or the friends they weren't even in the room like we have come such a long way in the just the past 60 years so doesn't mean there's not a lot farther to go there is yeah i mean obviously there is but then also there's only so much they can do for you in the hospital given how many women there are and how few providers it's really hard so you just have to be you have to have someone there to hold them accountable for you mm-hmm. um it is definitely not easy sometimes yeah no i think it's just like for me the takeaway is advocacy is key yeah and a birth plan is a really simple way to advocate for yourself so that not only can you have the birth that you want personally but you can also create a safer birth culture for other people or even if you don't get the birth you want at the end of the day, you still feel like you made the decisions and you felt like you knew what was going on mm-hmm. um, and you still got as much as what you wanted as you could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after everything was said and done. Yeah. And things didn't unfold simply because you were uninformed or like out of like yeah. is because uh, yeah. things were out of your control. So it's like I like that quote by Anime Gaskin. It's not always true, but I feel like a lot of the times it is where it's like if a woman doesn't look like a beautiful goddess while she's in labor it's probably because someone's not treating her right oh yeah i love that i think that um women forget that when it comes to birth ultimately you are the one who is in charge Mm -hmm. you are the one who is it's your body it's your baby you are the one who should be making decisions not the people around you and um you have that right you are the center of the universe so like advocate for yourself and remember that and if you pick the right birth team you will feel like you have that power to say the things that you want and to feel safe in that space or to have the people who are supporting you be that voice for you but don't feel scared to say the things you want because we always have more things to learn for moms like even moms who have given birth other moms have different experiences Mm -hmm. and different feelings and we can always learn from you yeah so i want to quote another awesome person tyranny who we Mm. all love tyranny yeah Yeah. so she she had said to me when i first came to virginia like it's not my job to give them a perfect Mm -hmm. birth that's not my job so you have to also know be realistic like your birth plan is kind of like a road trip. Like you're going to yep. map out where you want to go. Might see some pit stops along yeah, there the might way. Be some pit stops. You can't be like, I need this at four o'clock. Like what if there's a cool mountain you want to stop and climb? You know or what I'm you saying? You have to pee and you didn't right. plan to take a pee break. Or what if you get a flat tire and you have to take a break for four hours fixing your, exactly putting on your spare. So it's like your birth plan should be approached like a road trip. Like here's my outline, but then there's a lot of places that we can fill in. And then in the end, like, I don't know. It's it's like it, it it's you have your baby, everything's fantastic, but at the same time, it's not okay for people to say, "Well, at least your baby's healthy." No, you no. know what I mean. That drives me crazy, and I it warn is. people: everyone's going to say this to you if you transfer. At least your baby's healthy. Yes. 
allow but for people, processing, but, but people also do, be realistic. People do have the the tendency nowadays to put the responsibility on their providers to make sure everything is okay and to make sure their birth is good. But women really have a lot of responsibility. And if you're giving away all your power to the people that you're choosing to give birth, um, it's actually not probably going to go the way you want. And so it's like, take back your power, take responsibility for you, what you want. And part of that is choosing providers who align with your mm-hmm. beliefs and will help you get that. Um, so you can't give that away. Um, you have to be responsible for it too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the only, I don't know who took it away. I mean, if we go back to the I'm movie, say, let's start back way if back, we go in back the to day. the movie legend, would you two oh, God, wankers haven't uh, seen yet? All the, right. The Lord of Darkness. All right. We haven't seen Legend. No. It's time to end Listen. this episode. No, the Lord of Darkness. Someone says she's just a girl. Who who cares? Well, because I'm just a because girl girls in give the world. Girls just wanna have fun. So you should all be in charge. Let me you guys be. suck because that was a really good point. You ruined my point. I'm just a girl. <laughs> na, 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 na. Who hasn't seen Legend yet? Okay, I'm going to go okay. see Legend. All right. So take back your power. Birth plans are good. Don't get stuck on all the all the points and everything happening exactly the way you want. But do learn about the things that could happen and decide how you feel about them. And something about Legend. Take back your power Legend. like Lily did in Legend. Yes. Take back your power. We're going to go watch Legend. Let's watch it. All right? Also, I love you, Tim Curry. Cheers. <laughs> you guys suck.